Just an honor being with you. Wasn't that amazing? My prophet Paul, absolutely amazing. You know, um, prophet Paul said something because, and when he said it, um, I'm going to introduce Meliana in just a couple minutes. I just real, real quickly. When he said it, I felt there, there could have been a misunderstanding because I felt a tension in the spirit. When he said the fifth point, God's word is partial. I think that sometimes people can misinterpret that because we've also heard that God word, God's word is perfect. And I think that sometimes I just want to bring clarity for anybody that may say, well, you know, I, I didn't quite get that. What he, what he was discussing is that, that when he reveals revelation to you, that revelation is partial. He, he gives you the part of the revelation. It doesn't nullify that God's word is not perfect. You follow what I'm saying? And, and so the reason why God gives the revelation partial is because if he gave you the entire picture, then you don't need to operate in faith. Are you hearing me? So he, he strategically gives you a partial revelation because he wants you to grow in your faith. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And sometimes he purposely causes you to not understand everything because as I said last night, uh, we are, because I just, just real briefly, um, I have, you know, just, just in the conversation with, with leaders and that I, I've been around and uh, the last few weeks we've done, we've done a long, we did a whole week last week with leadership and then uh, the week before we did another leadership meeting. Um, the, the church's reaction, I, you know, I, I think taking somebody's life, suicide, being taken, it breaks my heart. But what breaks my heart, too, is the church's reaction. And so, you know, just to say in this meeting, um, Greg Laurie, who uh, may not, may not, you know, he may have a different theology, has obviously impacted the body of Christ. There's, he does harvest crusades where thousands get born again. Yes. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He's a great man of God. He may, he may not, you know, fully have the, ha, uh, be like us, but he's still a man of God, and he's still part of our spiritual family. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And sometimes what we do is we have a tendency to reject some of the body of Christ because they're not like us. You know what I'm saying? But they're still our family. And, they're, and see, that's why we need to learn to celebrate diversity. And, and because if we, if we don't celebrate diversity, we'll cause division. And, and when, when his associate when a senior associate pastor at 30 years old took his life, I began to pray for him because the last thing I would want to do is preach the next Sunday. Because what do you say, Pastor Rich, to that congregation? Because let me just say something. When, when we come with depression or mental illness, we can't just demonize are you hearing me? Because we don't know people's backstory. Neither can, 
any of us send somebody to hell or send somebody to heaven, that is God's job. You follow, you follow what I'm saying? So, so I can't, because I want to tell you, legalism doesn't save sinners. Legalism does not, does not save. It's the truth that saves. Come on. Are you hearing? Not legalism. And, but, here's, here, here's what was the church's reaction. When we compare cancer with suicide, there's a problem. Because nobody chooses cancer. You follow what I'm saying? You follow what I'm saying? But people do choose suicide. Because they have a free will. And what we have to understand as prophets is we have to speak confrontationally. Come on. To speak the truth. Because this is what people will say. Well, you don't understand me. You don't understand what I am going through. Now, it doesn't mean that I, I, I need to be harsh or unempathetic. But what it means is, wait a minute. I'm not supposed to understand you. Because I'm not supposed to lean on my understanding. Yeah. You, you follow what I'm saying? Are you, are, are you, because if I lean on understanding you, guess what? I may agree with your dysfunction. Right? <laughs> right? But if I lean on him, lean not on your own understanding. Don't lean on how you see things. Get under his presence and under the canopy of his glory and under the canopy of his truth. And lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. Okay, for, for instance, for instance, Song of Solomon chapter 8, verse 5, which I wrote a book, there's a, there's a verse that says, it says, it says, who is this who has come out of the wilderness leaning on their beloved? Uh, you know, because you can't come out of your wilderness leaning on you. <laughs> you will not come out of your wilderness leaning on you. Leaning on your beloved will get you out of the wilderness. You, you, you look at what happened to, to Israel. Israel ne never came out of the wilderness leaning on Egypt. Leaning on, leaning on their viewpoints. They came out of their wilderness leaning on the beloved. Come on. Leaning on God. That's what brings us out of the wilderness. Because the thing is, it, here, here, here's, what, here's what our culture says. Well, we need to understand you. Then I'm leaning on what you're saying instead of leaning on what God's saying. And see, the prophetic, the prophetic, a prophetic culture doesn't lean on how we view things. It leans on the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Meliana, give Meliana a hand as she comes. Yeah, give her a couple of minutes. Yes, praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Again, thank you so much. You may be seated in his presence. And I just want to finish up the verse that he was quoting. It says, and acknowledge him 
And what happened when we acknowledge him? Acknowledge him, that means lean on his word. Acknowledge him, worship him, trust him. And guess what the next sentence said? It said, and then he will direct your steps. Amen? Yes! Don't you want him to direct your steps? Leaning on him, acknowledging him, he will always direct your steps in the right way. He will not direct your steps into destroying yourself. He will not direct your steps into that. He will direct your step into fulfilling what's in God's heart. Amen. As we heard last night, the journey is great. He has great things for you and I to fulfill. And that will depending on you and I leaning on him. Amen. Amen. Just to add on again of how important it is to hear his voice correctly. Because I love it what he shared that sometimes we prophesy and we wanted to add on instead of you and I. I believe many times we don't get all what we want. He made it clear because God wants us to seek him more, spend time with him more in his word and in prayer. Because it's all come down to spending time with him. If all we do is just, oh, God. Uh, prophet, can you prophesy over me? I don't know what God wants me to do. Listen, listen. God wants you and I to make sure we spend time with him. It's a privilege to prophesy over you, but God wants you and I to make sure we spend quality time with him in prayer and in his word. Because his word says, my sheep hear my voice. Amen. And it says, they will not only hear my voice, but it says, they will follow me. They will obey me. And that's what God wants you and I to make sure. How we can hear his voice more clear than ever before is through spending quality time with him in prayer and in his word. Amen. I'll give an example. This past Christmas, John and I spent Christmas time with our, our children in uh, your hometown. Yeah, Destin, uh, right next to Santa Rosa, Destin, Florida. And I remember our last night while we were there, my daughter Leilani said, oh, mom, dad, come down here. We're going to play a game. She went and bought this game from uh, Target, and she wanted us to play this game with, with uh, everybody. And the name of the game, it's called Hearing Things. <laughs> Hearing Things, okay? Hearing Things. Yeah, it's not hearing him. It's hearing things. So what it is, it's a headset that you have to put it on. And while you put it on, you have to turn it on, and it lasts about a minute. And when you turn it on, your team have to read to you a card that contains three or four words. It's a sentence. And while you turn it on, you can't hear anything. You can't even hear your team. All you can hear in a headset is people talking so, so loud. They are talking so loud. And within that one minute, 
the person in your team reading to you the sentence and you are wearing the headset, you have to guess what your team is saying. And if you guess it right, your team will get a point. But if you don't guess it, uh, if you guess it wrong, then you have to pass it on to the next person. So my team choose me to play the game first. So I know I, they choose me to play the game first because they figure I may not get it right so they can laugh, okay? <laughs> so anyway, we started the game. I put on the headset and my son-in-law, David, read to me the sentence. And I tell you where, so I have to turn on the headset. And when I turn it on again, I could not hear a thing my son-in-law was, was trying to read to me. So I ended up read his lips. His word didn't say read my lips. His word says, hear my sheep, hear my voice, okay? <laughs> so I ended up reading his lips, and I, tell, and I came out with all kind of words. And I tell you what, I remember the first word that I came out with was B. B. And when I said B, they bust out laughing. So that shows me that I did not get it right, okay? And they kept laughing, laughing, and I said, what did you say? What did you say? So he kept reading the whole sentence to me, kept reading the sentence to me. And I came out with all kind of words. I don't think it's English word. <laughs> but, but because I was trying so hard, to guess what he's trying to say. So finally, I came out with a sentence that I thought that's what it says. The sentence that I came out with, it's this word, it's this sentence. B-boy, come down. I don't know if that is, <laughs> makes sense or if it is an a, a English word or name. But when I said that, they laugh so loud, even the other team, my team and the, uh, the team with that we are playing against, they laugh so hard. Sentence I came out with, B-boy, come down. So finally my time was up. So I yanked the headset off from my ear and I look at my son-in-law and I said, David, what did you say? Oh, he couldn't say anything. He, they are still laughing so hard from what I said. Finally, he calmed down. And then he said, this is what I said. And this is what the sentence said. He said, this is what I said. People need to calm down. <laughs> that was the right sentence. What I got, B-boy. Come down. <laughs> that was not the, what, the word, what was the sentence said. The right sentence, people need to calm down. That was the right sentence. Again, I learned something. Do you know when we don't spend quality time with God in prayer and in his word, we can easily misinterpret what God is trying to say. We can e even misinterpret the prophetic word that was spoken into our lives. I've seen a lot of people, they translate it or they interpret the word that they have received to the way they want it to be. I've seen people quit their job out of a prophetic word. 
because they took a word that was spoken and translated, interpreted to the way they want. And what? Listen, if we are not spending quality time with God in prayer and in His Word, again, we can even misinterpret not only the prophetic word, we can even misinterpret the preaching word. I've seen people walk out from church out of offense. A leader says something or somebody or the preacher says something and they misinterpreted and they left church. Listen, the voice of God does not sound like offense. The voice of God sounds like forgiveness. The voice of God does not sound like anger, bitterness, hatred. Anxiety, fear, worry, depression. Listen, the voice of God sounds like joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The voice of God sounds like love, peace, a wisdom. But again, it's all because we are not spending quality time with God in prayer and in his word. Again, his word says, my sheep hear my voice, and they will follow me. They will obey me. That's why my heart broke when I heard about the young pastor took his life. It's a successful young man, sold thousands and thousands of books, life coach, and it caused me to question, what voice did you hear? What voice that you have been listening to? Because he made it clear, my sheep hear my voice and they will follow me. In other words, whatever the voices that you are familiar with, that is what you're going to follow. That is what you're going to listen. Being successful, that does not make us hear God's voice clear. The only way we can hear the voice of God clear is spending quality time with him in prayer and in his word. Otherwise, all the voices that lie to us through fear and anxiety and depression will pull us and misguided us. Again, we heard the word that, that, that when we lean on him and acknowledge him, he will direct our path. God is longing for you and I to spend time with him because I believe, I mean, I believe that God is looked down. Look at my people. I'm longing to tell them the direction that they need to go. But the voices of distraction, just like what I was hearing in my ear, all I can hear was so loud, so loud, the voices in my ear. I could not hear what my son-in-law was trying to say because the noises in my ear were so loud. I could not hear anything. Listen, life have a way of trying to throw at you a crisis or problem. Actually, those things are supposed to make us stronger. But because we are not hearing his voice clear, those things 
break us. But what God's desire, spend time with him in prayer and in his word. This is a time I believe that God is looking for people that come and spend quality time with him so we can hear his voice more clear than ever before. Because distractions of life, crisis, and all the other voices will misguide us. But his voice, as his word says, my sheep hear my voice and they will follow me. They will obey me. And I know many of us here this morning, we know God's word. Many of us, we memorize God's word. But I tell you what, when we, when we spend time with him in prayer and in his word, he will empower us to obey his word. He will empower us to follow his word. Because many of us, we know what his word says, but we don't have the strength to follow and obey. Why? Because we are not spending time with him in prayer and in his word. As his word already make it clear, these things can only come down through fasting and prayer. Depression, all the, the, the oppression, the fear, the anger, you know, unforgiveness, those things can only come down through fasting and prayer. Amen. Praise God. Give Jesus a big hand clap. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just want to remind you guys, yes, we have some resources back in the foyer. Great messages. How many were here last night? He talked about eat, right? <laughs> eat because the journey is long. I just want to encourage you. We have good food back there to, for you to eat, okay? <laughs> Great messages. Having a divine perspective when, we are when you're going through a crisis or, or problem, you need the mind of Christ, not your wisdom. Yeah. Amen? Some of the crisis or problem we're going through, they are spiritual, and it has to be dealt with spiritually. The goodness of God. Again, when we come to Christ, we should be experiencing his goodness. In other words, we should be going from glory to glory, not from drama to drama. Amen. So how to develop a prophetic culture. I mentioned last night how he, he talked about it this morning, how important it is for you and I to prophesy God's word, to speak God's heart. Amen. Also, and this is, I believe, that we're going to do the third printing of this book. All because this is the second printing and we revise it. That's why it's have 60 more pages. All because I believe this is God's heart and this is God's desire. Is to help people get to know him intimately. For me, that is the bottom line. With any more, anything else we can prophesy, do all that. That is God's desire for all of us, but it's God's desire for you and I to fall in love with him, get to know him intimately. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. Hallelujah. How many appreciated that story? You know, absolutely amazing. You know, let me, let me tell you what happened uh, that night. I remember the kids are laughing at my wife. And, and, and they chose Meliana because actually English is her second language, you know. 
And uh, I know that, that, that wh that's why, because they knew that she, you know, would may not get it. Well, after making fun of her for about an hour, <laughs> I, I, I said, no, no, we can't make fun of mom anymore. She's, she's coming on my team now. She's coming on my team. And the interesting thing is uh, something I learned that night that um, she put on the same headset, same, same noise, same loudness. We read these little three-by-five cards of sentences. But when I read it to her, she got it. Even amongst the distractions. And then I realized something. Why did she get it? We've been married 35 years. And there, 35 years. And there is a intimacy and a relationship that is there where she hears my voice, even in the middle of the distractions. And so, in, because this, there, you, you cannot get rid of distractions. You can eliminate them as best you can, but ultimately, they're still going to show up. It's part of life. But the key is the relationship that you form with God and with Christ and with the Holy Spirit where you, in the middle of the distractions, can hear his voice louder than the distractions. In this particular uh, time that I have with you, we, I want to make sure we do some ministry and, act, and impartation. But I want to talk about the heart of the prophet. What it means to be, have the heart of a prophet. I haven't shared this before, but just, just as just the last couple of days, you know, when you, when you know scripture, how many know that you'll just be, just be minding your day and, and God will just drop a word, just drop a phrase into your, into your spirit. And when he drops something uh, in that, that, that means he's trying to tell you, I want you to camp out of that. I want you to set up a tent. I want you to, I want you to get into that place because I want to I give you more revelation. And um, that is why that there has to be this constant meditation on the word and on truth so that he can speak to you throughout your everyday life. And I want you to turn with me to John chapter 3, verse 26. And this particular message um, that I want to share, really, be I believe that it's key to where this church is right now. Because in the body of Christ right now, there, how many know that there's a lot of things pulling at you? Yeah. Who's been having some things pulling at you? And sometimes when you're in ministry, people are trying to get you to do something all the time in fact they're looking for a reaction from you to how they're feeling to what they think it should be true and, and I, I love the fact because you know John the Baptist according to Jesus is the greatest prophet and if I want to walk in the prophetic and have the heart of a prophet and Jesus says he's the greatest prophet, how many know that I need to learn from John the Baptist? You, fo you follow me? 
I need to learn his ministry, his thinking, how he, how he processed things. And so I want to read a very familiar story. I want you to turn John 3, 26. Are you there? It says, and they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, they're talking about Jesus, to whom you have testified, behold, listen to this, he's baptizing and all are coming to him. Everybody say this, all are coming to him. I want you to see this for a moment. We live in a day and age when there's too much competition in the body of Christ. And what happens is, and, 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 and Prophet Paul knows this, there's even competition within the prophetic movement. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And, and, and see, you've got to understand, the kingdom of God isn't the NFL. Come on. It isn't, it isn't the World Series. We are a family, and we are supposed to work together, and we are supposed to complete one another. And the moment we get into competition, we have missed the heart of the prophet and the heart of the prophetic because the heart of the prophetic and the heart of the prophet was never to be competitive. Who's the more accurate? Who can tell the names? Who can get the biggest prophecy? Who can speak with greater detail? That is never God's intention. Come on. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And, and, and because each of us has give, been given a measure of faith and a measure of gifting. And your measure, no matter how big or how small, doesn't determine your, determine your value. Because sometimes what we value is we value the portion of how a person is gifted. And if you're gifted more, we're going to value more. And then, we, and then the person who may not be calling names, addresses out, we don't value their prophetic gift because they're not as accurate as somebody else. That is not the way we should see one another. Are you hearing me? Because this is exactly what they're trying to do. They're trying to cause a division between John the Baptist and Jesus. Wow. Come on. Because at this time, John has been the voice. John has been the voice in the wilderness. People have been, thousands have been flocking to him. Right? And now John is losing his influence. And I'm not saying that we don't want influence in the community. We don't want to grow. We want to impact people. I'm not saying that. But we should not be prophesying in order to gain influence. I shouldn't be prophesying to get influence over you. Influence over Pastor Lynn and Pastor Renee and Pastor because of accuracy. That's not should be the reason for prophesying. Because if I'm prophesying in order to gain influence, then I'm now operating in witchcraft. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I should be prophesying because I want to pour the love of God in you and I want to pour the heart of the Father in you and I want to see everything that God has for you come to pass. So, so they say, because in other words, John, here's what they want John to do. They want John to react. 
They want John to submit to their kind of thinking. And if you're going to be, see, because if you're going to be authentic, everybody say authentic. authentic. See, I would rather have you be authentic than being accurate. Because you're, because if you're, if you're accurate and not authentic, you'll abuse people. But if you're authentic, then God can give you more. And then you won't abuse his bride or abuse his people. But I want you to write this down. I'm going to say A, paragraph A. In other words, you're losing your influence. So by saying what they were feeling, we're talking about the people that spoke to John, so that by saying what they're feeling displays their failure to recognize Jesus. Because wouldn't you want everybody to go to him? I don't want people coming to me for a prophecy. I want them to come to Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not that I don't love prophesying, but, but, but here's the idea. The idea is we don't own people. They're Jesus' people. Come on. They belong to God. They don't belong to us. So what are they doing? They're falling into the trap of competitiveness. And let me just say this. Let me say this. Americans are competitive. Come on. We want to be the biggest. We want to be the best. We want to be the most powerful. We want to be the loudest. We want to be the world power. Come on, church. But John teaches me the way the true power is not just trying to be the biggest, but to be the most humble. Because listen to what he says in his reaction. Because, see, here, here just another thing. When they said that, so... That tells me the people were saying, my source of validation is when people come to me. I'm going to hear this. I'm going to explain this a little clearer, Richard. So by people coming to me, oh, tell, give me the word of the Lord and let me prophesy. Prophesy over me so that I'll know my purpose. If that becomes our validation then we are going to fall into the trap of what I call the Simon Sorcery Anointing. Simon lost his influence because Philip came the evangelist and people get saved. He, Simon actually, Bible says, he believed and was baptized. Everybody say believed and was baptized. Just because someone believes and baptized doesn't mean they've had a heart change. And you have to understand this is Acts 8. In Acts 8, there's something that I see. He follows 
Philip, he doesn't follow Christ. He follows ministry or ministers instead of following Christ. No, come on. And he's enamored by the ministry of Philip. Come on. To such a degree because he can't, he can't outdo God. Because he had been, he had so much influence in that that city and that community in Samaria that people were in awe of him, and now he loses his his power and his validation. Come on, so now he is not the center of attention. The Holy Spirit is center of attention. Philip's uh, Christ becomes the center of attention, and so guess what happens is the as the story progresses, th then here, here's the thing. Because here's the thing, that is why we need a fivefold ministry. Because Philip's an evangelist. Everybody say evangelist. And if you understand being around evangelists, they are always thinking soul saved, kingdom advanced, soul saved. Sometimes in the evangelistic field, they lack discernment and they don't have a prophetic revelation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, that's why we need the apostolic and the prophetic in the church. Because, because it's the apostolic and the prophetic in the church that confronts the heart issues. The, uh, the evangelist brings people to the knowledge of Christ. People get saved and baptized. That's why we need an apostolic prophetic church right here in the Treasure Valley. That's why you're going to school. Because we need apostolic prophetic. Because without apostolic prophetic, guess what? We're going to have Simons running around. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm We're going to have Simon running around prophesying. So, so what happened? What happened is, is uh, you know, Peter and John came. They lay hands on people, and they get filled with the Spirit. Well, Simon sees that. He saw it. Said, and he goes, because you got to understand, the, all of his influence was purchased, not given. When you have to purchase your influence... That's not of God. Influence is given by grace. And if it's purchased, that means you've got your influence through manipulation. Not through the Holy Spirit. So what does he say when Simon tells Peter, I want to buy it? Because see, my source of validation is people responding to me not responding to God and if they respond to me then that's my source of happiness listen to this Peter then says something because he wants to get at the issue of the heart he says your heart is not right before God Because, see, the heart of the prophet had settled that issue. That my heart, the, the passion of my heart is to be right before the Lord. And if the heart is not right, see, why do we think that we sometimes have conflicts within the house of the Lord that all of a sudden somebody begins serving for a long time and all of a sudden in one they're just, they're, they've gone off on a tangent. 
is simply because it's a matter of the heart. It's not a matter of power. It's even not a matter of your gifting. It's a matter of the heart, ladies and gentlemen. And what has to burn in us is more than the accuracy of my prophecy. I want the accuracy of my heart. Because if my heart is accurate, come on. So when Peter confronts him, your heart is not right. That you would try to purchase the Holy Spirit. That, that's why has Satan lied to you like that? And he began to, to give him a prophetic warning. He began to warn him prophetically. Because, because, but it wasn't to warn him to leave him in that condition. But this is what Simon said. This was Simon's, you pray for me that things won't happen, as you have said. Let me just say this. We live in a culture that fears punishment more than they desire transformation. I'll say it again. We live in a culture that fears punishment more than they desire transformation. God does not confront in order to bring punishment. He confronts to bring transformation. And the heart of the prophet is to bring transformation to the person and to the body of Christ. Now you got to see this. Because so, John 3, here's John's response in John 3, 27. Sorry, it took me a little longer than I wanted to get there. So John answers them, Miliana. As she said, a man or a woman can receive nothing unless it has been given to him or her from heaven. What is he saying? Any measure of success that you and I experience didn't come from our goodness. <laughs> didn't come from our greatness. Didn't come from us. Every measure of success has come from heaven. Come on. And what John is trying, what John is attempting to do to the people that are asking him this question is, you think that my success came from me? And now that I'm losing some of that as success, you think it just came from me? No, it didn't. It came from heaven. If it wasn't for heaven, we wouldn't be baptizing. If it wasn't for heaven, we wouldn't be prophesying. If it wasn't for heaven, we wouldn't be in this room. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Even though we sing heaven come, heaven come, heaven come, you got to understand that our gifting and everything we've done has not originated with us. And he wants us to see that in the forefront because some of you in this room, the Lord is going to use you very, very powerfully. And that is why you have to stay authentic. Because sometimes I tell you, I tell you, when you come out of the wilderness, and people look at you and say, wow, look what God has done in your life. That sometimes success can cause you, it can go to your head and you get impressed with yourself. And what, Paul, what John is saying, I'm not impressed with me because it didn't originate from me. You got to see this. Look at the next verse. You yourselves bear witness. You, 
you yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ. I have been set before him. Now here he goes into 29. He says, and I love this. This, this is, he who has the bride is the bridegroom. Everybody say, who has, who has the bride is the bridegroom. Just because I'm a prophet doesn't mean I have the bride. Which means the bride of Christ doesn't belong to me. It belongs to the bridegroom. See, this is why I never get upset for people leaving and going to another church. Because the bride belongs to the bridegroom. This is why I never get upset. I just, just confound that people would show up and want to be in a meeting. Because I have nothing to say. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you follow me. You, you, you follow what I'm saying. Because the bride belongs to the bridegroom. And so that's why when God, when God begins to use you, commission you, call you in the ministry, because here's we live in a day, an age, when get, let me get all the bride to me. And get, I want the bride for myself. Oh, come on. I want the bride for my ministry. The bride doesn't belong to us. Come on. I want the bride to focus her attention on me. What? On my gifting. On my, and, and that is why we get leadership that micromanage Instead of empower. Come on. And when you micromanage, you'll never empower the culture around you because you're micromanaging. I got I to gotta make sure the bride's this. That's not your job. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. Listen to this. But the friend of the bridegroom. Which means that's the heart of the prophet. The prophet is the friend of Jesus. And as a friend of Jesus, whatever responsibility you give me and whatever influence you give me, I'm, that's my sphere and I'm not staying out of my sphere. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears. Everybody say stands and hears. I, if there's anything I want you to hear today, stand up and hear. Stand and hear his voice. Because, ladies and gentlemen, guess what? Put on the full armor of God so you can stand. What does it mean to stand? It means that I, I stand because I can fight. Are you hearing me? I stand and hear. I'm fighting not for my ministry or my personal ambition, I'm fighting to honor the bridegroom. Oh, come on, church. See, if you go to school to stand and fight for your ministry or your right, because now everybody wants to stand and fight for their right. What about the rights of the bridegroom to his church? What about the, uh, the rights of the bridegroom to the heart of the believers? Come on. Because if I stand up for my rights, what am I saying? My, I'm saying that my rights is more important than his rights. Listen to this. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him, listen, rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Which tells me 
I can tell you because Paul was my son-in-law David's best man at their, my daughter and, and my son-in-law's wedding. And guess what Paul did? Paul was rejoicing in the bride. Not stealing the bride. Not raping the bride. Not manipulating the bride. Because how many know that a prophetic word can actually rape the church? It can manipulate the church. And that is why we need to be in class. Because what has caused more damage in the prophetic is the prophetic has been something that can control and manipulate. No, but when I'm a friend of the bridegroom, uh, uh, she's not mine. She doesn't belong to me. I'm there. I'm there to do whatever I can to prepare for the wedding. Come on. Uh, I want to prepare her. I, I, I want to do everything that I can because that's my best friend's choice. Come on. And because Jesus is my best friend, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to do whatever I can to prepare you for the wedding. Oh, are you hearing what I'm saying, church? See, if, if the heart of the prophetic doesn't prepare for marriage, then guess what? Then we'll have people married to our ministry. Oh, come on. And what happens when people get married to ministry instead of married to the bridegroom? And guess what? And then the ministry rejects them. They walk in a, they walk in a deep-seated rejection because why? They weren't fully equipped to understand. You're not married to the ministry. You're not married to your organization. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You're not married just to your education or, or, or your accolades. You are married to the bridegroom. Oh, come on and give God a shout of praise. And, and, and ladies and gentlemen, because here's the thing. See, that's why we should never get jealous when God is increasing somebody else. Let, let's say that all of a sudden, all of a sudden, God puts a measure on Jerry. Let's pick on Jerry Day. <laughs> it, God puts a me measure on Jerry that's beyond any of us anointing. We should never grow jealous. What we should do is learn to celebrate. Because I'm a friend of the bridegroom. And what the bridegroom chooses to do with Jerry, I'm going to rejoice. And if now everybody is asking Jerry to come and speak and he's filling stadiums, you know, then I'm going to rejoice in that. That because, and, and here I am trying to be faithful with my faithful four and no more. <laughs> uh, you, you know what I'm saying? Because this is what we have done. We have measured success based on size, not based on friendship. Friendship is what determines success. Because you're most successful when you're his friend. 
Because, ladies and gentlemen, Simon was baptized and believed but wasn't a friend. I want to be his friend. I want to be his friend. Because one, I'm his friend. I want to honor him. I I want to love what he loves and hate what he hates. And I want to, I won't want to say, I won't want to manipulate the bride. See, when you're not his friend, in order to draw a crowd, you're going to need gimmicks. I love this. He says, he said, but a friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. In other words, my voice doesn't have to be the loudest. In the prophetic, let me just tell you, I've been around. There are those that want to outshout Jesus. <laughs> Come on. It is the truth. They want to outshout Jesus. And when we try to outshout Jesus, we will not say what Jesus is saying. We will say what, what we think he is saying. Oh, they, oh, I, I want to. I, I, and then what we will do is we'll give them a sense of false hope and expectation instead of the truth that pierces the soul, brings conviction and transformation. This is why I love this statement. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. Which tells me where John the Baptist's source of joy is. His source of joy is not in his ministry. His source of joy is watching Jesus Watching Jesus, be, Jesus becoming bigger and bigger and greater and greater and greater and greater and greater. Because if we come, listen, many of you in this room have paid to go to school. You've paid a lot of money. It's not cheap. You've taken time. Many of you are, are working serving in your various not everybody goes to valley some, some of you do you're serving in your ministry functions and, and you know but i really do that hope that your motive yes. for your education yes. isn't just to ga- gain more knowledge right. and information mm-hmm. or to get your or just to get your degree to find your degree in your valid find validation in your degree yeah. oh i accomplished this and not to minimize, that's wonderful. But you're come to rejoice greatly that you have heard the bridegroom's voice. Because if you do that, then the bridegroom can trust you with the bride. I can trust you. Uh, His Paul's son, little Elijah, was the ring bearer. 
<laughs> yeah, and I have in my fond memory because that was the first time I was introduced to Elijah. Because if Elijah was here, you'd know he's here. <laughs> he, he, he was supposed to walk, but he doesn't know what walk means. <laughs> he carried a little sign on him, had a little ring. And you know what? He ran so fast, I didn't see the sign. <laughs> he just ran, you know. He ran up to the front. And I will tell you this. But everything about that wedding was about honor. When is the church going to honor the bridegroom's voice? And I honestly believe, ladies and gentlemen, that to be a prophet is to say, God, I honor your voice above every other voice. Now, we, we've read this. We've, we've, because I want you to write this down. A true friend of the bridegroom is absolutely loyal to the bridegroom's voice. And what I mean by being loyal to the bridegroom's voice, I'm so loyal to your voice, Jesus, that even if your voice causes me, my ministry and my influence to diminish in the eyes of men, I want to be loyal to that voice. Because in reality, at the end of the day, it's not to diminish, really. It's to finish. Are you hearing me? It's not really what, look like, what looks like you're being diminished, you're actually being promoted. What looks like a crisis is absolutely a miracle. You're not being diminished. You're being empowered. Yeah. Because we know this, that above all else, that you, I, I pray that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. You cannot hear the bridegroom's voice and not experience prosperity. That's my word of faith background. Yes. Are, you know, I, really, you cannot. Because he would rather have the prosperity of my soul yes. prosper so I can carry a greater anointing Amen. without succumbing to the curse of success, if yeah. I would say that. Yeah, Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. He would rather have my soul prosper so that he could hand me a greater measure and it wouldn't affect how I see people. Yes. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? Because I've seen six, I've seen because people have experienced measure, ministry success has given them permission to abuse the bride. Our success does not give us permission to abuse the church. Our success gives us permission to serve the church. Now, I appreciate titles, and titles are wonderful. And the titles, we, I called some of the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the equipping of the saints, Ephesians 4.11. But let me just tell you, the greatest title, 
the greatest title, if you want to be the greatest, what did she say? Be a servant. Be a servant. John says it a little different. Be a friend. Come on. Be a friend. Uh, I, want, I, want, I want Jesus to introduce me not as Prophet John Harkey, but my friend John Harkey. Oh, come on. Are you hearing what I'm saying? My friend John Harkey. Uh, I want people, I, I want Jesus to introduce you not just based on your ministry title or your ministry accomplishments or your attainment, come on, but as uh, Dominic, my friend, as Jerry, my friend. Are you hearing me? As Renee, my friend, as Lynn, my friend, as Pastor Tim, my friend, as Pastor Richard, my friend. Come on. Are you hearing what I'm saying? What did you go to, uh, what did you go to uh, ministry school for the, uh, the Valley School of Supernatural Ministry? I became a friend of the bridegroom. I became a friend of the bridegroom. Listen to this. As I shared last night, I, I just got back from doing a, a leadership conference with 150 to 200 pastors in Hawaii, Simmons of God. And I have to tell you, I, I, I gained many friends. And people come up to me and they were amazed at the prophecy and they were amazed at the anointing. And then I would go back to my room and cry. And I'll tell you why. Because I never want to measure my success by what other people have said. Because if I measure my success on people's reaction, then when you don't react, I go to my cave and beat myself up. <laughs> Uh, you, 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 you know what I'm saying? I must have not done well. And what happens, it exposes an insecurity that has not been healed. See, what I love about John the Baptist type prophet is he's not insecure. When everybody is flocking to Jesus. <laughs> And he's baptizing less and less people. And his crowds are getting less and less and less. Because John understood the human nature. Because pride can't release anything. Pride holds on. And I want all the peace of the pie. And if I lose just a sliver, I'm going to have a meltdown. Come on. That's pride. Now hear me. John cherished the bride so much that he wasn't going to do anything that would undermine the relationship between the bridegroom. Wow. Mm. Yes. And I don't want to do See, because think about this. Everybody say example. That's why we have to think in terms of our behavior. Especially when we're interacting with ministry and people. Because I don't want me, I don't want to do something that will diminish how people see the bridegroom. Right. 
Paul, being the best man to my son-in-law, didn't want to diminish his best friend's character. Come on. And began to tell him all of David's faults. Now, come on. Are you hearing? And expose it to the wedding party. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And when it came time for Paul to talk, he, all he did is thank God for Leilani and thank God that David found a wife. Oh, come on. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They found each other, right? But instead of exposing the faults. Because in the church, what we've done is we have misinterpreted the heart of the prophet. The heart of the prophet is not to expose your faults before the rest of the bride but expose how powerful you are and to expose the fact that I'm so thankful that the bride and the bridegroom have joined together. Come on, are you hearing me? And I'm going to read this, this final verse. And then it says, well, write this down. Part of our test of maturity, say this, part of our test of our maturity is the way our hearts feel when others are more successful than us. Because think about this. What were they doing? They're going to him. They're seeking after you. I've been faithful for 30 years to this church. And now someone comes along in six months. Everybody's flocking to them. God allows that to happen. Because if I feel incorrectly toward that person, then I can, not, I can slip out of friendship into competition. That's why Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart with all diligence and by keeping it, it will become a wellspring of life because it is the wellspring of life. When I get competitive, there is no wellspring that comes out of me. There's only pain. And he says this. He must increase but I must decrease. Everybody say increase. increase. Everybody say decrease. decrease. Now, some people, in my opinion, have misinterpreted what John said. That decrease means a loss of identity. That's not true. Because the tendency well, that John lost of his knowledge of who he was, that is not true. What, it, what, he, what actually I believe the proper way to interpret this phrase is that I want the bridegroom to be the center of attention. That when I do ministry, that the vision for my ministry, the vision of what I want to do is so God is glorified and, and I'm just a friend <laughs> serving 
and doing whatever capacity I could use to serve. But all glory, all honor, all praise goes to the bridegroom. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? Because sometimes what people want is they want the increase. And usually when someone wants increase, it's because they probably suffered rejection. They've been insecure. And they're looking for validation outside the true source of validation. Because they're looking for a false source of validation when their validation should become, come out of, re, uh, out of relationship and not just out of our personal ambition and our vision. Yeah. Now hear me. As I wrap this up, then we're going to begin to minister. All of us know this story in Luke 10, 38 through 42, where Martha was distracted. Martha was cooking a meal that Jesus didn't ask for. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Are you hearing when, you know, so, so sometimes, you know what's our frustration? We're doing something in ministry that Jesus never told us to do. Because I can't be frustrated when I do what Jesus told me to do. It's impossible. Right? Right. Right. Well, well, you know, because, you know, here Jesus comes over. But here's what Martha does. When Martha treats Jesus as a guest, not as a friend. I'm sorry, I was going to close. <laughs> Jesus is not a guest. Jesus is not a guest at Valley. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He's not a guest. He's a friend. So as a friend, he becomes the center of attention. Not the ministry that I'm doing. Oh, come on. Now, it says that God loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. So he loved Martha. But what Martha got is Martha stepped into competition instead of friendship. So we know this, that, that, that Mary, when Jesus comes over, Mary sits at his feet and listens to his voice. Because I want your friendship. more than I want what's in the kitchen. In other words, I want your friendship more than I want ministry. Because ministry will burn you out. Friendship will empower you. And at that moment, as she's in the kitchen, because, ladies and gentlemen, I have to say this. It is so easy to get distracted because there's a statement that she made when all of a sudden she's cooking, she gets overloaded, 
Because I want to say this to you. There are people in here right now overloaded. There's a lot on your plate. And God is saying, begin to process the stuff that you need to get off your plate. And focus on friendship. And certain things don't have to be done. And, And what she says to Jesus began to strike me because she said, she came to Jesus, don't you care what I'm going through? Because when you're not a friend, you don't think that Jesus cares about what you're going through. So you'll come up with an assumption about how Jesus sees you when he doesn't see you that way. Don't you care that I'm in this kitchen all by myself? Don't you care, Jesus, that I'm laboring, that I'm flying all over the world? Don't you care, Jesus, that I, that, that I flew a red eye and preached the same night? Don't you care about my sleep? Come on. <laughs> right? Don't you care? What does that tell me? That, what does that tell me? That tells me that Martha anchored her self-worth in what she did. Ladies and gentlemen, if you anchor your self-worth by what you do, not who you really are, then what happens when you don't do it? Right. (laughs) Because we won't do it right. And we won't sometimes say it right. You know, how many times, you know, I mean, I I do my best to try to uh, clarify my point. Meliana tries to do our best to clarify her point. But sometimes we say things, oh gosh, I wish I wouldn't have said that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because I really didn't mean that, but you just, a thousand people just heard it. You know, (laughs) you know what I mean? And you can't take back your words. But when my self-worth is anchored in my friendship with him, oh. <laughs> I was telling them at dinner last night, uh, Pastor Richard, that uh, J.B. Phillips, a Bible translator, great, great, great New Testament. Read it. It's amazing. But you know how, like, in different Bible translations, they have... Um, they, they'll have a synopsis of the verses, for instance, like the parable of the tares. And they'll put the parable of the tares, then they'll have, put the verses down. Or in the, in the 
J.B. Phillips translations because I'm going through the book of Acts, and right now I'm in Acts 20 in my in my devotions, and and I'm in that part where where Paul raises the guy from the dead. I might have to raise somebody the dead after this message. <laughs> yeah, so long, and, and, and you know he falls out the window, you know, and Paul just nonchalantly. I just love backs. He just nonchalantly walks back, lays on him, and raises him up, you know, and goes back to preaching, you know. But J, the J.V. Phillips, he, in order to kind of give a synopsis of, that, uh, of those verses in that story in the scripture, says, Paul's enthusiasm causes an accident. <laughs> but see, enthusiasm for God will always get results. Even when you make a mistake. Oh, come on. Passion for Jesus and friendship, even when you make mistakes, will fix the accident. <laughs> right? Martha was upset about all the work she had to do. So she asked, Oh, what time are we supposed to get done? 30 minutes ago. Oh, boy. Oh, I didn't even look at the time. Oh, boy. We're supposed to get done at 12.15. Oh, Jesus, help us. Lord, don't you care about my sister? That my sister? Don't you care about all the rest of the people who have left me? Left me to do all the work all by myself? Tell her to help me. Tell her to stop listening to you. <laughs> and come do what I'm doing because what I'm doing is more important than what you're doing. <laughs> Don't you understand the heart of a prophet is to be the friend of the bridegroom. Why? Because Martha had an expectation. And when that expectation was not met, she became angry. Yes. Let me just say this. You know what has helped me in ministry is that when someone doesn't fulfill my expectations, let me, let, let me just say this. I've been married 35 years, and there's a reason why I've been married 35 years. Because my expectations don't come from my wife. She isn't the source of my expectation. Jesus is my expectation. And so if she doesn't fulfill something, I don't have permission to get angry. Are you hearing me? Now, there's things that I, she does, and I appreciate it. But see, if I put too much expectation on you as a leader, and you don't fulfill that, guess what? Then I'm going to kick you off. Not based because God is God, but based on the fact that you haven't fulfilled my expectations. Now, hear me. Oh, boy. 
Jesus. So she's distracted, as we know. And, of course, it says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. And I get back to Meliana's story. The noise in our life can upset us if we allow it to. But when the voice of the bridegroom becomes louder in our soul than the noise, then nothing can shake us. We become unshakable. Are you hearing me? And what God wants to do is raise up a company of men and women that are unshakable. I've got to move quickly. And this is, I, I'm going to leave you with this. So she's upset. There's a lot into this. Because what, what I think about is this. When Martha said that, Jesus is in the house. Do you know that Jesus can be in the house, but I can be living in a wrong climate? Jesus could be right in my house, but I'm living in a wrong climate. But this is a reaction. There's so much in this. But, but I love what Jesus said to her, her reaction. But a few things are needed. Everybody say, but a few things are needed. Sometimes we're too cluttered. Too cluttered to rejoice in the wrong, in, in the bridegroom's voice. Says, but a few things are needed. No, then he, then he, there's a hyphen. Then he says, oh, only one thing. The really, because you know we have a life and we have a lot of things. Because if I were to go to your garage, you can't park your car in there. <laughs> it's for the car, <laughs> not for the exercise com uh, 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 equipment that is collecting dust. Come on, no, I didn't say that. I'm sorry. He says, but a few things are needed or only one, or indeed only one. Everybody say one. one. Say one. one. The church needs to reduce themselves to one thing. Mary has chosen what is better. Yes. And it will not be taken away from her. Here's the thing. Influence could be taken away from me. Platform, ministry opportunity could be taken away. But when I'm a friend of the bridegroom, the friendship is never taken away. Lift your hands to Jesus all over this room. Father, we love you, we honor you, we adore you right now. We thank you for the word for this morning and now right now. And we pray in the name of Jesus that you would raise up right here, here in Idaho, right here in this room, that you would raise up friends of the bridegroom.
We, that we would raise up people that are not into competition. That their personal ambition doesn't override the truth and devalue the bride. We pray right now for your anointing to be deposited in every single person within the sound of my voice right now. We pray for the power of the Spirit and this truth that was shared today would invade their hearts in the name of Jesus. We pray for an impartation right now now of your word and your power in Jesus name now begin to thank him put your hands down and begin to thank him begin to thank him all over the world begin to thank him all over the place begin to thank him right now begin to thank him right now